0: The year is 1991. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. Hello and welcome to My Marvelous Year. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. You are listening to My Marvelous Year, the podcast where we go through the Marvel Universe year by year from its origins to today. I'm Dave. As I stated, I'm joined today by a very special guest. We're introducing a new guest for 1991, Part 1. As we kick off a new year, I thought instead of doing this solo, I would bring in somebody new. And I thought uh, we would bring in an individual that I think you'll all like very much. He's been running the My Marvelous Year Slack. He's been editing every episode of My Marvelous Year from Jump. He has, on his resume here, it says, been uh, guesting on a podcast all that time as well. It is Zachary. F. The F stands for Fantastic Dean. How's it going, Zach?
1: Hey, Dave. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Really flattered to be here. Longtime listener, first time guest caller. Um,
0: well, you did call my. So I don't have a home phone. Yeah, but you actually snuck in and installed one in my office. What the hell uh, so you could call yeah. in. Yeah, it was very and I and I answered and and was very open. And uh and now you're here. No, of course. You've been with us the whole time, been doing a great job. I think Technically many, on many more many episodes, reviewers are saying more episodes uh, of my, my, my Marble Marble year here
1: you are. Is yeah. that right? Well, I mean, you, you, you? Yeah, you, probably because you I'm the one only one home. who yeah. will take time
0: away. That's yeah. true. Yeah. That's true. People, people don't know this, but Zach, big time potaholic, oh, yeah. can't step away. Will not step away. Will not relinquish the mic. Better not try to take it from him. Um, but yeah, no, that's true. Technically, you will have, especially by the time I'm done with this next round of uh, of paternity leave, you will have hosted <laughs> this next round of more. Babies. Yeah, you will have hosted more uh, My Marvelous Year episodes than any. other. Living being on the planet than any other guest, very, yeah, very, very exciting. Uh, yeah, no, that's great stuff. Um, but yeah, today on 1991 part one, we are going to be talking about a Marvel comic series that started in late 1990, rolls into 1991, a perfect transition, and it is, of course, Extinction Agenda, the massive, massive X Men crossover that runs through Uncanny X Men, New Mutants, and X Factor. Now, I'm gonna start up front here, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna drop a little truth for everyone. Okay, I really like the Chris Claremont era of X Men that we've been reading as a club from 1976. What is it? Is Giant Size 75 from yeah. 1975 all the way to now to 1991? This is the last year, Zach. This is the final uh-huh. year of our guy Chris Claremont mm-hmm. as the official head of X, if you will. Extinction agenda. Is a very, very sour note to be going out what, on. What are you it is talking arguably
1: about? you're making my head spin.
0: I, my least favorite X Men event.
1: Oh my almost. god! I'm... How <laughs> your critical compass is just it's spinning. It's spinning wild. There's no where's it's your magnetic north, like Dave? Crazy. Like how how is this a sour it's note in Mutant? Massacre? Wherever Polaris is is my magnetic. north. And you north. really love Mutant Massacre, but this is a sour note to you. What? Really I, love seems a little extensive. You, you I mean, were, I like it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I, okay. Wow. So I, I can also kind of understand it because we are at the tail end of 15 years of this. Right. Mm. And, you know, and, and also you like Walt Simonson's art there and it kills me. Um, and maybe you do not respond to Liefeld's art here. What does and, this
0: have to do to Extinction Agenda?
1: Well, I was just saying that, like, Mutant Massacre, right? Like, there's some stuff that I found oh, sour oh, about why, that. Oh, why I might be into that No, I'm just, I'm I'm this, just always... Mean? I just always want to insert that I, uh, I'm not a fan of Simonson's art in any conversation. It doesn't matter. I mean, truly. Like, what was that
0: left-field punch? No, no, it was I was
1: just trying to rationalize... I'm trying to rationalize for you why this... I, I am... Well,
0: I I can articulate some of the reasons for myself. So okay. hang on, how how much of this is kayfabe, and how much of this is you actually enjoyed this?
1: I, I that was fine. No, I I mean like, I, <laughs> okay. this this is middle of the road. Like I probably let me say, definitely higher than Mutant Massacre, definitely lower than Inferno, maybe slightly higher than um what's the other one? The like kind of sequel to Mutant Massacre. Um the Fallen Fall Mutants. Fall Mutants. Maybe slightly higher. Eh, I don't know. Right around Fallen the Mutants, which was like yeah, it's got some good moments and it's got some uh bloat to it uh, m- mainly and I will say kind of a surprise here it's the Jim Lee stuff that I was into this is Jim Lee worked for me here Jim Lee and, is a
0: breath of fresh yeah, air and, and Liefeld crossover. dropped for me
1: because like I've been like, Liefeld drops hard baby basically every issue of Liefeld we've read so far I've been like yeah pretty good like kind of fun you know like not beautiful but kind of fun and Jim Lee has mm-hmm. been a little bit of a mess for me like just kind of the panel layout and stuff. Mm-mm. No,pe here he's kind of got it. I feel like he just like hit his stride, figured it out, and like this is this feels like him like in pretty much in control of the uh, the book, which is not surprising because I've read a lot of like late nineties, early two thousands Jim Lee, and he's a guy who like knows how to construct a comic. Even if I was not in love with the aesthetic, like his comics yeah, yeah. are his comics work. Um, so you know I figured that was coming at some point. So yes, it is it is finally switched. <laughs> And not finally, like literally six months <laughs> it took, after it took like four issues. You're right. Yeah. It's <laughs> it like, wasn't long. Yeah. It, it's very, very, uh, not, not that long after uh, we talked about this, but Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld have definitely switched places in my mind. I, let's talk about these image guys for a little bit. Cause maybe you can fill this in for me.
0: So okay. I'm looking
1: to see image started in 1992. Right. Yes. And like McFarlane, Lee, Larson, Liefeld, all headed over there or headed over there, mm-hmm. founded it. Um, do they stay at Marvel at the same time? Like, <clears throat> <did> they?
0: <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> Decidedly that... not. So that's, I mean, that is the big image revolution thing is all of the image founders, mm-hmm. the Jim Lees, the Todd McFarlans, your, your Rob Liefeld, you get like Jim Valentino in the mix. They all, um, Mark Silvestri, uh, there's a few others, they all get together and they take their talents to start Image Comics, they transition off of all their Marvel books. So, like, that's what we're going to hit in 1992 is a historically interesting moment, Mm -hmm. but a creatively very challenging moment where all of the hottest sellers, all of the big guns, basically say, like, we can do better by ourselves. We can do better on create our own stuff in a not wrong (laughs) and definitely ahead of its or maybe of the moment and and of its time very very to say like doing this work for hire is probably not the best
1: idea. (laughs) Well because we're making we're selling all these comics. Look at this. I mean, yeah, look how much money they were making for Marvel with their X Men line and like Mm-hmm. Todd McFarlane, Spider-Man becoming one of the best selling comics, X-Men number one, with Jim Lee drawing it. It's one of the best selling comics of all time. Like still, the which best- we're
0: going to get to later this year, right? right yeah. 1991. That's going to be part five.
1: It looks like. Okay. So yeah, that's so interesting. Cause like, we're going to read all this, like Marvel stuff from these guys and then they're all going to be gone. Right. And it's, a year. Oh from yeah. Now. No, it's so it's a short.
0: It's a fairly short spurt. Honestly, I mean, McFarland's the longest tenured, but like Liefeld and Lee, you know, are not long for Marvel. You know, we're looking at two, three years probably between them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's you know, this is they do Extinction Agenda. We're going to get into their X Men. And and then Liefeld's gonna launch X-Force, so that's coming later this year as well. But like they're not gonna be on those series for super long. I think Lee's on X-Men for maybe 10, 11 issues, something like that mm. coming out of this. Um and uh yeah, no, it's it's a big it's a big transition in in nineties, not only in Marvel, but just in the comics landscape, because then obviously we get image and Hardly everything that came out of that in the 90s is uh, is something I would look at today and say, oh, you got to read this classic, but there's a lot of interesting stuff. There's a lot of interesting ideas. There's a ton of, like, you know, era-defining uh, visuals. And then, of course, just what Image has progressed into as we record this in 2021, where over, over the course of certainly the 2010s, they've released, you know, how many of the most interesting comics in the kind of, like, you know— uh, mass market American landscape, right? So yeah. it's, yeah, it's massive. And Jim Lee is is a massive part of that. And I think you're right in saying, in a, by the time we get to Extinction Agenda, it, to me, he's clearly the best of the X-Line, I would say. Like he's clearly yeah, yeah, yeah. the oh, best yeah, artist yeah. in this X-Line. He's doing the most visually interesting stuff. I think going from... A New Mutants where where Liefeld's getting real messy. I think he's he's ready to bounce to X-Force. He's ready to be doing his own thing where he's more in control, even though he's fairly in control at this point anyway. Um, and then X-Factor is just like a weird throwback anomaly which um, is almost refreshing but you've got Luis Simons in writing and you've got Jan uh, Bogdanov On art and that to me is just like well this doesn't fit like which one of these things is not like the other it's x factor every issue yeah um but then the jim lee claremont stuff is still like okay yeah like this is this is progression of what x-men is and what it can be i think for me the biggest problem is less i mean the liefeld stuff i think and and the new mutants issues i think are just a bore and kind of a chore to get through yeah um but i do think that extinction agenda as an idea is very boring and yeah, I think it's very oh, drawn you out said that. Oh, all right I mean, <laughs> well it's just they don't everything is is kind of stuck everything mm-hmm, is like yeah. stuck it's, in the same hallways of genosha it's one of the and, worst right, let's, paced
1: comics like we, we've we ever it really read. is like, it's it's it, definitely except the, for the jim lee I, the jim lee stuff jim lee keeps it moving and chris claremont besides yeah. that like it is so much but then like, you got to
0: go and read Two tie-in issues to to fill in the details that you never needed. I, I mean, yeah. I would say it's not as slow as Secret Wars two because I still haven't finished that. Mm-hmm, yeah. But it's it's like on that level of slowness. Okay, what is the what is the general plot? what What should people I mean, actually G- know Genosha, about this, what happens the, here?
1: Genosha, this country we've seen before, off the east coast of Africa, uh, which is basically just uh, a very anti mutant country. They take mutants, they strip them their powers and their minds, and use them to um as like manual labor or they like utilize their powers as manual labor we've seen them i mean i I think
0: it we can we can be even more direct they convert them into mutates and these are slaves on genosha yeah
1: yeah um and this is genosha like wages war on american mutants and goes and kidnaps a bunch of them uh sunspot not sunspot uh rain storm who is it richter is that his name um, yeah, mm-hmm. and one other. Oh, and did uh, get Boom Boom, Boom Boom, and Warlock? Maybe no, not not Boom Boom, but Warlock. Yeah. Oh no, but Definitely it is warlock. Boom Boom. It is Boom Boom. It is Boom Boom. Yeah, and t- takes um, them all. But they, and they do this. Show.
0: They yeah. do this in retaliation to the mutants' interference in Uncanny X Men two thirty five to two thirty eight, which was the introduction of this island nation mm-hmm. in a story by Chris Claremont and Mark Silvestri, which for my money is a much better story. Um, I think those three issues, are, or what is it four, are the premier genosha experience whereas this is is coming back to the idea but it's not nearly as striking or effective. well I, I so
1: think. my my big problem with this is that it largely feels like and this is, this is something I, I feel about x-men comics more than any other line and i think it is purely a product of well let, let me say what it is before i start describing why it is um it feels like a comic that is just about itself right like it feels like a comic that exists just to be like here's a story about X-Men, but there's no bigger theme, really, right? No theme that we already haven't explored to death. There's no big new ideas here. It is kind of just a comic that is just like, and now these characters move here, and now they're in this fight, and now they shuffle over here, and it is kind of just moving the X-Men around the board without having anything really new to bring. And the only thing I feel like that this brings is Jim Lee's art. Like, Jim Lee's art is the only, like, really artful thing that I I felt reading these comics Um, because besides that, I kind of was just like, I don't really get what the point of this is, except just to be like, we got to put out an X-Men comic. We have to put out an X-Factor comic. Like, it feels like, I mean, I
0: think, I think the general, you know, the idea of Genosha, at least initially is additive to the Marvel universe and is thematically relevant in that it's an island nation Mm -hmm. that clearly and structurally discriminates against mutants openly has that as a part of their known economy and their known like, you know, it's like social structure Mm -hmm. is to imprison mutants. And then not only to imprison them, but again, to take away their powers, to take away their minds in many cases. And again, like they're, they're enslaving mutant kind here. Right. So like the, the parallels between the ways that a, a nation can structurally, um, you know uh, deprive like individuals human beings of their rights that to me is something that is that is and can be said with Genosha. again i think in those first issues it's there it doesn't need to be yeah. super heavy handed about the fact that it's uh. there it's there in the nation now to your to your point because i do agree generally with the extinction agenda i don't think that's really the point of extinction agenda and i think there's two things it does that really harms it that really sets holds it back mm-hmm. the first is the use of Cameron Hodge mm-hmm. oh, as yeah. the, the worst. menace, as the horror driving yeah. all of the negative action, okay? So it's like, and that kind of ties into the second piece, which is, for me, that the genotians, the the individuals within this system of systemic oppression, wind up getting hero moments, wind up getting moments of, like, well, that we're... We we live in a nation and we we um you know stand up for a nation that enslaves mutants but but we're not weird spider technology guys we 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 don't stand for that yeah and they then stand up to Cameron Hodge and I think genosha in and of itself is scary Gen- whether whether it's looking in a mirror and it's seeing your own nation's problems reflected back at you or it's totally escapist right like mm-hmm. you know like it's it's totally okay it's mutants it's not a one to one parallel um. Genosha in and of itself is a scary idea. You don't necessarily and I get that it's comics and I get why it happens, but you don't actually need to add Cameron Hodge resurrected cyborg spider Cameron Hodge who yeah. is quite creepy in this. Especially um, when you you don't Lee necessarily need him right, to yeah. sell the horror of the idea of Genosha and then I think it gives all the like the Genoshan the gene engineer and the, and the the captain of the police guard it gives them these moments of like mini redemption in turning against Hodge mm-hmm. when in actuality they're pretty bad in and of themselves, yep. you know? <laughs> yeah. So I, that to me is like, and, and again, and two, a very long-winded way of saying, you know, these, however many issues this is, no, it's not yeah. dealing with these issues. It's not talking about these issues. I'm adding that. I'm giving that to the potential of Genosha. Yeah, I, I was really going to say, because
1: y- you're talking about that like, with Genosha, and I'm like, okay, well, where what what's the story there? Like, what is, what is the thematic parallel to anything that feels human or resonant about, like, any kind of real person's lived experience? Right? Because it is so far removed from—the thing is, like, if you want to deal with a nation structurally— discriminating against a people like america it exists already right like it exists and you can do it in that framework in a way that will feel more like oh well i can you know i can see this because we have a clear history many many times over of discrimination against many different peoples um but I, I think f-
0: using using a fictional place well then you to sell that you, point can be effective because a lot of yeah, a lot of individuals sure. are not super aware of that fact. A lot of people deny that fact, so you can use a fictional place. Well, to be in, in that you case, you need to problems.
1: you need to do something where like any of it feels like some kind of familiarity, right? Like it's grounded in something that that feels like compelling in a a a real world parallel. Because there's nothing to, you know, geno- I mean, Genosha is like it, it's so it's so wild and villainous and like and lacks any kind of actual you know, like, societal structure. Like, you really don't get a good idea of what this place is like for mutants to live in. It is all, like, Cameron Hodge. Because you're right, Cameron Hodge stinks here because he is such a big focus of this. It's nine issues, and he is all over all nine of them. He is, like, such a huge presence. And his whole thing is just, like, I'm stealing their powers. I I hate mutants. I'm gonna steal all their powers. And he is just, like, he couldn't be a less compelling villain. Except for his design. His design, when Jim Lee is drawing him, is kind of cool and creepy. And it actually I actually really-, really
0: like. I really like John Bogdanov's yes. first take on yes. Cameron Hodge, yes, yes. which was so he's he's basically he's got all these machine and wiring connecting and this like giant spider like mechanical body but then the way he draws him the first uh, X Factor issue is then putting his his head is still human of sorts but putting it on like a fake like like a mannequin a cardboard, in a suit tie. A, no it's
1: like a, car- a flat cardboard cutout yeah that's and, like, really and, and good. there's that's even
0: comments good. about like does he think we don't notice like does he think yeah. we don't see the giant you know machine spider
1: behind it that's, that's actually touch. pretty creepy yeah. and pretty smart. Because that was, like, the first time we really spent... Well, so Liefeld drew him, and I actually didn't have much of an idea. I was like, okay, it's a man coming out of a wall, I guess. Right? Like, because Liefeld, it's funny, you switch between Jim Lee, uh, John Bug Bag... Bag... What is it? Bogdanov? Bogdanov. Bogdanov. And, uh, and Jim Lee and Bogdanov, and then you switch to Liefeld, and it is, like, an entirely different creature because Liefeld's drawing is so lacking in detail and kind of lazy and... Hard to read and like actually see what it is. Um but the other two do a good job. But Bogdanov's art is like but they
0: do all all three artists have different ideas of what the characters are going through. Yeah. <laughs> like what they look like. Yeah. Like sure. there's not there's not a clear like, hey, let's talk to each other and get on a similar page even yeah. about the designs here. Um they're kinda all over the place. And and in that regard, like the continuity of it is a bit messy, although ironically, like the story continuity is like almost too tight it's like almost two, like, hey, let's all exist in the same, you know, space and, and two oh, hours. Oh, sure, right, time, it does it does basically. just kind
1: of feel, well, this, like, it has that problem that I have with a lot of X-Comics, and a lot of Claremont's writing, but, like, Claremont was actually not, the, like, I always felt relieved when I went back to Claremont and Jim Lee, because He stands the... out, every crossover
0: we've done, even when you say you don't like them, yeah. you've always come down yes. and said, like, oh, yeah, yeah, and then I was glad to read the Claremont issues, yes, you know, right, yeah, he's a
1: good he's a good writer. He yeah, no, no, story. like, I, I very rarely am just, like, Done with like Claremont, they think it's like awful. I just have a lot of critiques of his stuff. Um, but like something that he bugs me with that actually was happening more in the other issues was that there's not scenes, right? It kind of just felt like one long mm. running like this is happening and this is happening and this is happening, but there's no like scene shift, right? It just was so breathlessly like moving forward while also not advancing the plot really. Like yeah. one of the New yeah. Mutants issues was just like. They're all captured, okay, and they escaped for a minute, and now they're all in jail. And then Warlock frees, and he frees them, and now they're captured again. And it was just like captured, freed, captured, freed, captured, and then there's no pacing to it. There's no like up and down. There's no like very few pauses for a breath, right, so that you can like situate yourself. It's just like no,
0: the cycle of the cycle of getting captured on Genosha, of Cameron Hodge monologuing. And then of people getting freed and trying to break out. I mean, that really is the extent of this event. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think I don't know. I guess I would be I would be curious, but not curious enough to like really dig into it. But I'd be curious <laughs> for people who like the extin- extinction agenda. Like why? Like if you took like nostalgia out of it and you took I don't know if you were just into the Jim Lee of it and the art of it or something. Like I'd be really curious. Like what the rationale for digging this particular event would be. Um I I don't get it. I just I think it's I've read it twice now, I think. Um and then this is one too where like when Marvel did The 2015 Secret Wars, and they were, and I won't spoil anything, but when they were pulling for, like, tie-ins, and it was kind of just all like, hey, what are the legacy stuff in Marvel we could pull from? There was an Extinction Agenda one they did. And even in the moment, that was before I had read the original, but even in the moment, I was like, this is weird. Like, why this one? And then I read it, and I'm like, yeah, that wasn't interesting at all. (laughs) Like, it's just, I think, compare this to the moments in X-Men that we've had to this point, right? Look at... Um, it doesn't even have to be a big event. Look at Days of Future Past. Look at the Phoenix Saga. Look at the Brood. Look at even Mutant Massacre, which I know you don't like, but, like, Ramifications. It has, mem- like, there's stuff you can remember from that. Um, Fall of the Mutants, uh, and then Inferno, and then Extinction Agenda held up against that? It's just, to me, it's, like, such a massive downgrade. It makes me very ready for this transition that is coming in X-Men Creative sure, Forces, yeah. where it's like, I don't I don't necessarily blame... Claremont for this like he's he's winding down I don't know that he knows he's winding down yet I don't know if that has happened yet you know because there's some there's some interesting interviews too about like you know kind of his his work with Jim Lee and it, actually I was reading about this with Psylocke yeah so in Acts of Vengeance um you know Psylocke is is transformed by the hand Betsy Braddock is her consciousness is placed in the body of in in Asian woman of an assassin Quanan, as we know now, and uh, in the like some interviews with Claremont, or maybe much later, I can't remember. I think they're much later. He basically said, like, I I never intended that to be permanent. I always thought, you know, eventually we would we would revert it and we go back. What I didn't plan on was Jim Lee staying on the book longer than myself, and I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. But um, you know, basically he was like, what I what I didn't expect was that Jim would stay on X Men, and I'd be the one who kind of gets pushed out the door. Because I don't. claremonts he doesn't have like a retirement party. And we're going to talk about this with X-Men number one and number three, or number one through three when they when they officially have the final Claremont stories. But he doesn't get like, I don't know like how hostile it was in the moment necessarily, but he's not like, hey, I'm done. Let me hand this over to Lee. Like he still, to this day, wishes he was writing X-Men. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't think he was ever going to be done. And I'm not, we can talk about whether or not it w- it's a, a good thing or whether it was the right time. Kinda, I do think it's kind of a good thing. I kind of think it's the right time. I also,
1: you know, I feel bad for the the man specifically for you know, like yeah, being, sure. being put, you know, they, uh, on a different level of like, is it fair to him, right? And it mm-hmm. certainly seems mm-hmm. like he, you know, kind of had his baby wrestled from him. Um, but that,
0: like, when well, we talk all the time about, you know, like why is it that creators don't have the same comics creators don't get the same like benefits and the same, um. I don't know, like like shelf life that an author would get, mm-hmm. right? Where like an yeah. author in their 50s and 60s, like of course they could write a good book. They're probably getting better as they hone their craft. But comics writers, it's like, oh, they're 50? <laughs> like like no way. Like that's, it's super rare, you know? And I like, I don't know, I'm just, i have just, I just, you keep seeing like as creators progress, they don't necessarily get the at-bats in the work for hire scene, which sometimes is by choice, but often it's not. And, yeah. and that part of it kind of sucks you know potentially but then as, as a fan as a reader and not thinking about it is just like you know a, somebody who got you know fired more or less you know it is like yeah like i'm kind of ready for something new story wise. yeah yeah i know? mean
1: yes yeah I, I think we're we're in alignment there um so what else happens here
0: uh well let's talk about the big things let's talk about the big because there's like two things maybe three that happen that kind of matter in terms of x-men story so, yeah, so in like, terms of the universe warlock
1: gets killed that's like yeah that's the big one that matters is not me. well done i don't think no it kind of just feels like i don't know i mean it felt like it was built up a bit but then when he actually dies the moment is kind of anticlimactic and like um, i really like warlock oh like, i love warlock like, taking, yeah. like he's yeah, yeah.
0: the most interesting and he doesn't fit in this era of new mutants you know, yeah. like he doesn't, yeah, yeah. he doesn't too fit silly. in the Liefeld yeah. militarization of Cable. New Can we mutants? talk right. about like Warlock was...
1: Cable for just a second, which is that the, sure. the comic opens up on uh, all the X-Men in the, um, in the danger room training. And like right in the middle of their training, Cable just kicks down the door and says, it's time for the new mutants to train in here. Like wielding his gun yeah. and like just, yeah. just him bossing around the X-Men. I, I still really like Cable. <laughs> like Cable's still... Yeah. He, is
0: kind, kind of of, he is kind of fun, and he's different. You know, it is, it is interesting in these early days, too, to, like, kind of... You know, the dynamics here are Cable just showed up out of nowhere, took on the New Mutants, went back to the X-Mansion, mm-hmm. you know, to train them. There's no adults. Like, there's no X-Men. There's no Professor X. There's no Magneto. It's, like, there's no adults what's her name? Stevie there to be Hunter? like, yeah, like, it, this
1: is good that Cable trains you, right? It's, it's Stevie Hunter. Stevie right Hunter's right Hunter. still he's, hanging out there. I mean, she's right? the one who's really, them. like trying to like train them which is very weird wasn't she just like kitty pride's dance teacher <laughs> like i was reading the- she
0: she comes on i think professor x even brings her in and she she becomes an educator for the for the younger yeah it, uh, i think the immune specifically but yeah no she it's starts funny because like, she's bad dance teacher yeah. we have
1: not seen her for a long time in the editorial note is like uh you know stevie hunter last scene um dot 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 we don't even remember when <laughs>
0: <laughs> which, like, <laughs> that's that's very Stanley-esque uh, honesty there, which just I appreciate. like we, we didn't have time um, but, to
1: go look up in the archives. Yeah,
0: but it is it. I guess that that actually ties into kind of the other another thing that Extinction Agenda is doing, which is maybe the most important thing of all of them, which is it's bringing all the mutants back together again. Mm-hmm. Like we've had a long five plus years now of everyone being totally separated. Yeah, of. The New Mutants thinking the X-Men are dead. Of the X-Men apparently never thinking about the New Mutants, those poor children. (laughs) I know, yeah. You have... The Professor X is off in space still. Magneto's going full villain, right? And it's just like everyone is an X Factor is living in Apocalypse's ship and they're not checking in on the new mutants enough either. And it's just like everyone is disparate in their own corners. And we kinda started to see this in Inferno, you know, where it's like at least you have a little team up and a little connection and an awareness that these people are in fact alive. But Extinction Agenda is where we really start to push to like Oh, yeah, we're all going to come back and share the same space again. Which is fun. Um, I I like that idea,
1: and I wish it, like... Again, this is something with, like, Claremont, where I kind of wish... I I just wonder if there's just, like, not a demand for this, or if it is just, like, the idea in his head of, like, what people want. But, like, I, I just think there would be space for, like, spend a few issues... Like, literally spend, like, two issues about the renegotiating of space and, like, the settling of these teams after you know like all these changes like i think people like these characters enough that you can like spend time breathing and just like well i mean he he breathes
0: (laughs) i mean you're not reading every claremont issue (laughs) that that's that's true i mean we we do jump from event to event yeah that doesn't happen in this event
1: um but you know like this is certainly certainly not that again i i will say like if we just read the claremont the three claremont issues i think i would be coming here being like yeah this was fun Good, uh, good three. Yeah, years. you know, like the, yeah, I'd be this. like,
0: this is a fine follow up to Genosha. Jim Lee's coming yeah. into his own because um, I'm Lee, ready to get to the next stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah for Lee sure, it's it's really the tie inness yeah. of it that yeah. that really hampers it. Because and part of it too is like ironically like new mutants which we really dug the first the introduction to cable like both you and i were like "Yeah, yeah. simonson liefeld purchased for life this is great <laughs> and uh and then you come to this and it's like oh this I, yeah this i feel blows. bad
1: because like louise simonson i've been kind of on a like she's she's been on the up for me and this this totally just dragged it back down again though i kind of well, feel like this
0: is the end for her and claremont too like this is yeah. both of them being like this is it you know
1: and, and i wonder if this is Louise Simonson just, like, she, she doesn't work well when she's pulled into, like, an editorial, you know, mandate to do a crossover event, right? Like, that is not her well, strength. Because uh, that, that has traditionally I don't know. been when... I don't know
0: how true that apart. is because she comes from editorial. I mean, yeah. she she gets... I, like, when know, it's her well. and it's Claremont and it's Anne Nesenti, they're all on the same page. They bounce yeah. off and, each and, other. They work And, and well she together. was
1: great in Inferno. So I just I just remembered that. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Her part and, of and Inferno, Inferno, which is excellent. the one that matters, yeah. she's fantastic in. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: I, I think it's specifically... I think it's specifically this story. I think it's specifically she's about done. And then I think the Liefeld of it just had to be a really weird situation (laughs) already. You can just... I'm just saying, it'd be like, you know, it's that classic, like, okay, they hired someone who's younger than me as my boss. Like, that has to be how this felt, even at this stage. Because Extinction Agenda sold really well. These issues sold like hotcakes, and a a ton of that is driven by Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld.
1: How... You know, know like, I get the Jim Lee driving sales. Like, how... I, and I even like well, you were you were a Liefeld fanboy two episodes I know ago. I like what it but like it, it's just it, it is it does kind of baffle me that like I like those I like that issue or those issues that he did I like his art but like for those to become like hot like this is the the hotness the new hotness that is driving sales it's very strange to me like they're not that good and they're not that revolutionary especially in the face just, of like it's just
0: it's the freshness of the visuals it's got a good well, beat what about it's easy John
1: Danov? like his is fresh and weird like
0: no it's not fresh that's very old school
1: uh i mean actually his his art's really weird like we I it's a little weird it, it, it I, looks, I kind of i, I appreciated those it looks in, like, in like coming off in the like old hanna Barbera cartoons like i kept thinking like it looks uh, like cartoons yeah. like um like animated cartoons like the venture brothers or something um mm. it's it's very strange and it does not like <laughs> talk about like the dissonance jumping from Jim Lee to Bogdanov, like telling one story and uh the like the yeah. distance between those two is huge. Yeah, and I mean you're right, like Louis Simonson's twenty years older <laughs> than Rob Liefeld, right? Like twenty plus years older. It's a big generation gap to like be working across, especially when like it's Rob Liefeld and he is probably increasingly feeling his oats <laughs> and being like it's one thing it's to mentor common, that hey. younger artist. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's one thing to mention that are other artists, it's, the, it's another thing entirely when they're like, yeah, and I'm the reason this is selling mm-hmm. so well, and he's not wrong, is the crazy, you know, is the, is the trickiest part there. It's um, crazy. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it. <laughs> <It's crazy>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I kind of get it. I don't know. There's a part of me that gets it. Um, but yeah, these issues kind of suck. Um, I guess the other thing that happens here that is important in terms of continuity, and we, I don't know how much of this we've read as part of the club, but like over the Po- after Inferno, the Uncanny X-Men, they all go through the Siege Perilous. I think I've talked about this a little bit in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and one thing that happens there—actually, it doesn't happen there. It happens a different time. Uh, Storm. Uh, the, the X-Men think Storm's dead. Um, Havoc Blaster accidentally, she, yeah. but actually she's in. She gets captured by Nanny and Orphan Maker, and Nanny turns her into a little girl. Yeah, no, we we, <laughs> so we, we talked about this. The so storm's been a little girl. We did talk about this. Wait,
1: okay. we, the the Gambit. Oh, with Gambit. Remember, with I was Gambit. like Claremont keeps turning his characters into children. You are like, name one time, and I couldn't. <laughs> 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 I was yeah, thinking about good. the Magneto baby thing, but that was literally the only other th- uh-huh. time I could come uh-huh. up with. <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Storm and, Storm and those were the little girl. She's been yeah.
0: thieving with Gambit for yeah. a minute. Um,
1: which, which actually, Gambit leaves is no I... impression here. It's so weird how little of a presence Gambit is, even compared to. Oh, like... I actually thought he
0: fit in. Uh, he surprisingly well. He has honestly, one because cool he does the thief thing. Yes, the, the, when he the gets moment. when he gets shot in the leg with like a spike, mm-hmm, yeah. and then he uses it to free himself. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that that was that a was good. Cool, I mean, cool cool I think that's
1: move. literally the Gambit moment where you're like, oh, that's a character with his own thing going. Well, Uh, just the fact
0: that he's, like, hanging around and they're talking to him like he belongs, you know? It's kind of like, oh, I guess guess this guy's staying. Uh, Interesting. Jubilee. Um, But but Storm here in her teenage form, uh, she gets uh, turned into one of the mutates at one point, but then, long story short, uh, as she is freed from that and comes out of it, she is transformed back to adulthood. Yep. And I guess really the main takeaway here is Storm's one of the best X-Men as a kid (laughs) and as an adult. (laughs) Like, it kind of doesn't matter. She's still... Well, it's weird,
1: because when they draw her as a kid, it's kind of just, like, half the time you don't even notice, because they don't draw her that differently. Especially Jim Lee, like, barely draws her differently. She's just a little shorter. Mostly
0: just she has a shaved head, which is actually a weird way to identify it as a child.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yeah. And then, like, her personality's not changed, really, so, like, she's still having adult conversations with Storm, or uh, not Storm, with Jean Grey and being like, verily... So, you she's know. kind of
0: just a little out of her power set, you know. It's almost more just like her powers. Yeah, are wonky, right. So it's kind like how it
1: reads, so it doesn't feel that different. And when she turns back, it's like, okay, well, I guess it had to happen at some point. Guess uh, we're done with that. Jean Grey uh, gets locked in a prison cell with Wolverine and immediately starts kissing him, <laughs> which is just whoa, like,
0: whoa, slow down. Uh, there's a lot of build. There, there's like three panels of build until the, she starts him. I don't know if that's true.
1: There, I like the. Uh, there's a conversation between her and. Another female character, God, I can't remember who it is. Something about Bechdel like Bechdel Past. Uh, who is it?
0: I said Bechdel Past.
1: Oh yeah. Well, no, because they're talking about a man. Because they're talking about how good. Of, <laughs> oh, darn it! How good of a kisser Wolverine is, and one of them's like, "Yeah, he's the best at what he does." <laughs> and then, <laughs> but then she uses the same exact line later when she kiss she kisses him there, and she's just like, "No, I can't," even though he is the best at what he does, like which is smooching.
0: <laughs> do you think? Do you think Wolverine would be? A really good kisser. No. Like...
1: No, what?
0: <laughs> I really don't think he would be. Like, it's going to be grisly. You're going to be getting hair all up in your mouth. Yeah, you oh, know? if they
1: were doing it realistically, like Jean Grey, like they would show five minutes later and she would have that, like, you know stubble burn all around her lips she'd be pulling <laughs> hair
0: off her tongue you know for sure like wolverine smells there's no way he smells good he's been dying for like three weeks at this point in the comics <laughs> yeah. no way he smells good i'm just i am I'm, I'm dubious that his his kiss work is so fine that he woos gene just like that now, well he it's does have i coming.
1: mean you know like it's more than just the kissing right like he's got a, a literal animal magnetism because i actually am you telling me they
0: do more than kissing I didn't see it. Mm,
1: I I I I have no. I have no more. <laughs> Not Gene. Um, yeah. No, I, that I'm, does happen. I am here for the uh the the kind of like love triangle between the three of them. Like I I like specifically just cuz I kind of like uh you know Wolverine peeing in Scott Summers' cereal. <laughs> like I I kind of yeah, like yeah. just just through that like that's kind of fun to me. And also I just, you know, I like the it, it is a very worn trope, but it is fun of the like my nice, sturdy, reliable boyfriend versus the you know, the sexy bad boy. Um and, and Yeah,
0: I I think maybe it, it works it'll fine. get tiresome or something, but I, I would say even at this point it's well, kind of like, yeah, I'm Sure. It's a it's a fun
1: dynamic. It's kinda of fun for until Hickman just solves it. <laughs> like, you know,
0: it, it has through. been solved. I will not spoil it other than yeah. to say solved and that has never led to problems ever in the history <laughs> of people. Um so yeah, I mean, I don't know. This this event I just I don't want to say it's definitely my least favorite X-Men event, but if I actually sat down, it might be. It might be. And like, <sighs> it's okay. It's not it's not Secret Wars 2. I don't think it's atrocious. It's definitely not actively harmful, right? It's not Avengers 200 or something where there's real there's real nasty undercurrents or anything like that. I don't believe. Um it's mostly just very boring and way too drawn out and I wish I wish it had been like you know three issues in Genosha and then something else entirely happens because like you said it's just capture free capture free capture free yeah. with some very uninteresting conversations going on. I mean to me a more interesting version of Extinction Agenda is like reconciling Genosha's place in the world and like sure. looking at yeah. the actual international like how does this country work and like what yeah why is what no is one like doing anything I
1: mean I mean you wouldn't do this but like. Have it way slim it down, slim it way down and have it be about a new mutant or two, not the new mutants, like just a new mutant um, Mm -hmm. who lives in Genosha and their experience of living, you know, in a country. Because then maybe you could draw some parallels. Like if you're doing it that like it's a country that abducts mutants from another country to like strip them of their powers, like there's no real life parallel there. But if you want to talk about like hiding in your own country because you are a, you know, like persona non grata there, there's something there. Right, like there's something yeah. you could study yeah. there and, and doing that. You and know, like maybe. there's no
0: there's no like Genosian mutant resistance actually, which is a weird there's thing. No Genosian culture,
1: period. Right, besides like no. the the three freaks at the top who are, you know just like trying to strip them of their power. It's Cameron Hodge and the the Gene Smith or whatever his name is, Gene Engineer. I guess
0: we haven't really the Gene Engineer. Yeah, we we haven't really talked about it too much, but like so Cameron Hodge is he's a purported X Factor ally. As he's the friend yeah. of Warren Worthington. Right, yeah. He then betrays them, circa fall of the mutants, okay? Sells them out, you know, basically tries to... Turns out he hates mutants, has hated Warren and resented him all his life. He's basically Warren Worthington, the uh, angel's archenemy. okay? And then as Warren becomes archangel, in the build to Inferno, Cameron Hodge starts the Right, which is a terrorist organization mm-hmm. that hates mutants and hunts them. Yeah. Warren, uh, after Cameron Hodge... Tortures and I think kills one of Archangel's uh former love interests, uh was it Bambi? Bambi or Candy? Candy? Candy Southern. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Warren, Warren uh chops off his head. Okay, chops off his head. Cameron Hodge comes back and it's like of all of the villains in X-Men, you know, that are interesting. Why why are we doing a whole event about Cameron Hodge? (laughs) Yeah. yeah, You know? Like why why on earth? And the only thing I like Cameron Hodge sucks in in every capacity. He's he's uninteresting. He is visually, I suppose, somewhat interesting in that artistic conditions are like strange and horrific.
1: Otherwise, no. Yeah.
0: Like like a Junji Ito Cameron Hodge, gonna be creepy. Right? Like that'd be a good fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like there's a way to do it. Um he has super fun tongue gadgets. Okay. At one point, he opens his mouth it and, like, a little Joker style water pistol pops <laughs> yes, out. That, that spraying was actually
1: acid. pretty fun, but that, that got me. At one
0: point, Havoc, who has been uh, convinced he's a Genotian magistrate this entire time in mm. classic Havoc siding with the bad guys uh, accidentally form, um, at one point, he's like, him and Cyclops are fighting Cameron Hodge on the roof at the end of this, and Hodge starts to fall off, and then he just, like, Bleh! And a whole arm shoots out of his mouth and grabs on the Havoc. <laughs> yeah. He's got funny tongue tricks. I will give Cameron Hodge that. Uh, but otherwise, it's just like, I don't care about Cameron Hodge. I'm not interested in his plight. Also, historically, like, he hasn't been tied to Genosha. He just shows up, and even they're like, yeah, this guy's weird. We don't like him. You know, it doesn't, <laughs> yeah, <no> one... <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. I agree. I totally agree. I, I think the... Um... The, the the last issue, I, I think, kind of works as the final fight against Cameron Hodge. That, like, mm-hmm. that is interesting enough. Re- oh, Rain is all supercharged now. Like, when they gave her powers back, she can become, like, I don't know, double the werewolf that she used to. We didn't before. even
0: mention, but Rain gets turned into a mutate as well, which yeah. which I will say is effective in terms of just this dead-eyed, you know, like like, mindless, you know, controlled person they've turned her into. Like, that stuff hits in a way that's like yeah that's horrifying you know that they're that they could do that to people and that they willingly do so yeah i think but go ahead um
1: but uh yeah they they get into this big fight at the end which is just pretty fun watching them try to he keeps cameron hodge keeps saying he he made a deal with a demon to be immortal right so they can't kill him so they're just batting his head around right right okay i don't remember that um but uh i just wanted to point out the marvel unlimited has the extinction agenda like event in it Right, so uh-huh. like I wasn't using your list, and it also says like on the cover it says How dare you? part one, part How dare two, you? part three, etc. Um, I accidentally read the last two out of order. I swapped them. So I read part eight first without realizing that I was not I was reading the end. And then <laughs> that it kind of works, doesn't it? It ended and then I was like, Oh, I missed one. I had no idea. I had absolutely no idea that I'd skipped an entire issue. And then I went back and read it and I was like, Oh yeah, a ton of stuff happened here. None of it mattered. <laughs> right. Like Yeah, I know. I, I know. There was no way I would ever have noticed that I didn't miss it. Um, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think one thing that we're both kinda of tapping into here is extinction agenda symbols that the X Men line is ready for change. And I guess the good news is change comes, (laughs) right? Like, from here, kind of the X-Men universe as we've known it uh, will not really ever be the same. Um, There's going to be a lot of change in really every title we're looking at here. Um, I don't know if it's a spoiler to say because it's in the reading list, which you can find in the show notes. But, like, Uncanny X-Men, okay? That's going to transition creatively. New Mutants, that's going to end and then transition creatively, right? That's going to become X-Force um X Factor that is going to transition creatively okay so like everything about these long running years oh, is David's about to transition
1: taking over X Factor that's interesting to me
0: it's going to be Peter David and Larry Stroman which will be which will be it will be interesting and we'll read some of that so yeah it, i think there's there's good things on the horizon it is it's a bummer of a final event to go out on mm. i think in for, i mean um,
1: if he clearly inferno should
0: have inferno was the perfect that was the we just won the championship let's walk out
1: yes yeah exactly if he had left it but you know he didn't know he was walking out right so
0: well he'd Um, been clear on i mean like louis simonson could the same thing and you'd be like oh she went out on a high note you know and i i get why they didn't why would you but you know they could still play um but yeah so i think that's that's gonna do it for the extinction agenda uh conversation i think we have 1991's uh, comics here in the show notes if you are so inclined you can find all those for what we are reading next uh, next time on my Marvelous this year in part two we're going to talk about the return of venom in amazing spider-man we're going to talk about the world's weirdest fantastic four Ooh, What is that simon's in spider-man including zach including probably my favorite walt Simonson marvel comic oh interesting in fantastic four. Okay. yeah and then uh and then we're gonna talk about new thor baby New Thor. It's an era of transitions here in 1991. But yeah, we got some big stuff coming. Otherwise, we got um, I'm excited. Introduction to Deadpool. We got yeah, yeah, Weapon yeah. X by Barry Windsor Smith, one of my all-time favorites. Uh, we got Infinity Gauntlet with a very special guest that we'll be having on. And then uh, and then the end, end of the Andesenti run, a Daredevil, a whole bunch of other stuff. You can see all these comics coming Squirrel up. Girl. If you go to Patreon.com slash Year, you can get the whole list for yourself.
1: Oh, uh, I don't know. Part of me wants to like... Put my thumb on the scale and be like to t- check out the return of Burns She Hulk because he comes back. He- he's taken a big chunk of time off of that series. Did you see? <laughs> so have you,
0: have you read it? Because that's not on the
1: list. It's down in the bonus round stuff. Um, and and you even wrote Zach's boy is back. Um, I did. I will say Zach's girl is back. John Bird's not my boy, but She Hulk is my girl.
0: But She uh, Hulk is your girl. Fair um,
1: enough. Issue. <laughs> so here's just a funny little anecdote. Um, it's not an anecdote. It's history. Uh, the She-Hulk, John Byrne did, I, I don't know how many, like 10, 11 issues of that comic. Um, sure. And uh, and then he he leaves for a while, and um, is it, is it Englehart takes over? or uh, uh Steve Gerber did Gerber, for a minute. Gerber, right. Um, Gerber takes over for like 20 issues with some pretty like so-so She-Hulk issues. And then John Byrne takes it back over, and the first issue that he's back, it's She-Hulk 31, and on the cover of it, John Byrne is there trying to like, put number one uh, or no put number 12 up on yeah. it and like yeah and the editor is yelling at him that he can't like re. he basically it's it's so rude and i i really like respect yeah. <laughs> how rude he's being where he's he's uh just a second let me let me find the exact wording yeah it's him trying to nail up uh that the issue is number nine <laughs> and he says hey no fair you said I could do anything on my first issue, and uh, the editor saying, "Put your ego back in its box, John. I'm already letting you get away with probably more than I should on the inside." J- so rude that he was just like, "Yeah, I just want to let's just wipe those <laughs> twenty issues." It off is, the
0: map. it is, and I've got I've got little time for him, but also that's a good cover. Like it's, that would, it's that really funny. Oh, cover.
1: I mean, you know, I yeah. I don't artists can be rude to each other. I, that doesn't offend me, <laughs> like. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm kind of,
0: I'm actually, because there are inst- like Jim Starlin will start to do a similar thing, you know, as you get yeah. later in the in the 2000s, where he's like, like he's very, he's very openly in his comics, being like, hey, you know those other Thanos stories that I didn't write, yeah, yeah. that's a bunch of BS, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, here's yeah. why, and I actually like that pettiness when it comes to like Starlin's protection of his character. So yeah, there's a version of it that I'm that I'm potentially into. No, I mean it's definitely, um, but then there's a then there's a really the ugly jerk. side of it of like. <laughs> Of like Rob Liefeld currently just being like, "Yeah, all X Men comics suck, and they've sucked for years," and and it's like just kind of old man well, he, yelling at Cloud like just, that stuff sucks. Yeah, well,
1: he's just on Twitter doing it. I think you know the the point that is good is that he's making a funny joke within the art itself uh, on the comic. Yeah, book. no, it's uh, that, I would say that's actually pretty effective. Yeah, um, and, and our, Gerber's so that's fine. in the bonus round. So Gerber, Gerber has a <laughs> Gerber can take a punch. He's he's got a, a decent enough resume, right? Yeah, he, uh, he seems he seems like this he, word, or he, he like was fine. Word. Yeah
0: yep um, yep yep all right so yep. i'm dave you can find myself at dot he's zach you can find him online at my marvelous year music for the show is by disaster piece you can support the show at patreon.com slash my marvelous year thanks for listening everybody and uh zach what was the final thing you want to say
1: hmm? see i thought you had year. something to say no, see you i was next throwing year. it back to you before see the you before the end see credits you next year oh you're doing it now yeah i'm taking charge Nailed it. i'm taking charge dave <laughs> no you have to you have to do okay. it now I, see you next year would you do you feel like
0: you could ever stop recording if i don't say it
1: <laughs> like just, like would you
0: just be stuck in an endless loop
1: yeah it's just like doing like shaving a haircut but like shaving a haircut two. <laughs> it's so annoying yeah <laughs> <laughs> see you next year oh i really wanted to say it <laughs>